Greetings, students, and welcome to another fun-filled day here at Horror in the Halls. <laughs> What's up, kids, and welcome to Horror in the Halls, Jenny Dreadful's edition. Woo! I'm Jenny, a.k.a. Mrs. Hill. And I'm Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Holland. And as all teachers know, May can suck with all the state testing, the finals, and apathy on the students' part. So in honor of all that, the lesson plan for May is Hell Month. We have such, we have such shite sights to show you. You need to keep that in. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time today. Apparently. Uh, we have such sights to show you as we delve into Clive Barker's novella, The Hellbound Heart. Full of lust, a creepy box, spells, cenobites, and no redeeming characters. Oh, my. Tis true. Tis true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob. You want to say anything before I go into all the details? We have thud, 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 thud. Yes. <laughs> you should really keep that in. I'm going to. That's, that, that's how I feel. This whole month is just sucks so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to wrap it up. No, um, right. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I love this story. I love Hellraiser. It's one of my favorite um, horror franchises. So I'm really a big fan. The book is a lot different than the movie. If you've not read it, it's it's very short, so it's almost impossible for us not to give away spoilers. Really? It's like a three-hour audiobook, so it's really short. It and really it's short. fairly close to the movie. I mean, Frank is still like a horrid piece of garbage. Um, the Cenobites are there, but... They're more focused on the female one, not so much Pinhead. That was just for the movies. And yeah, and of course, Le Marchand's box. Let's mm-hmm. get into the deets, bro. Then we can talk all about it. All righty. Well, as you know, it is the author is Clive Barker. However, Jeez. he also narrates the audiobook or a version of the audiobook. He does yeah, the abridged version. It's awesome. And that's the version I wanted to listen to. And I listened to it this time. It was like I said, it was it it was really easy to sit and listen to this. Like it was less like you said, less than three hours. He does a great job at voice like the voice voices of each character. So I recommend it. If you if you don't want to sit and read the novella, which the novella I'm sure like just sitting and reading it would even take you long either way. The the font's real big in it. It's it's not that it's like 150-ish pages. His he has a very extensive writing career because he's got I mean he's written just about everything he's written mm-hmm. uh, nonfiction fiction poetry anthologies short stories which also novellas like they go kind yeah. of hand in hand sometimes depending on how long they are uh, poetry plays graphic novels comics he does art his art's pretty cool I yeah. I wonder. Yes, very dark. Very much Hellraiser-ish. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. there's lots of, like, chains and things. It's just, you know. It's really cool, though. 
It's very gothic. Let's see. He has his website is it's got literally everything listed on there. So like that's that's where I kind of went. I also went to his IMDb because he's done a lot with like just movies in general, obviously. Um he directed Hellraiser and Nightbreed. But he wrote Candyman, which we talked about in our Candyman episode. Mm-hmm. Which I'm I need to read at some point because I just wanna I just wanna read his version of the story. Um, it's much different. It's much different. It takes place in Britain, of course. White guy. Yeah, it's a lot different. But he's very he's, he's very British. So, I believe it's in the Books of Blood. So you read those; they're in there. I there. I guess the reason I want to read it is because I, I actually thought that this book was well or this novella was well written. I can't say I loved it, but I, I'll explain why later. Um, but anyways, but it was really well written. Um, it's got a ninety two percent of Google users like the novella which is a lot, um, a 4.1 out of five on Goodreads and a 4.4 on thrift books. So I feel like that's pretty accurate for what it is. So, but yeah, he's a pretty interesting fellow. Yeah. I think he's awesome. I've met him one time when they, when the director's cut of Nightbreed was making all the horror convention circuits, I tried to go to watch the screen of it at Horror Hound, and we couldn't get there in time. But I did take the opportunity to meet him, and he was really cool, really interesting. You know, he's very from the stuff reading his his work and seeing his films. He's exactly what you would picture him to be. <laughs> like he just is that person. So it was cool. Yeah, big fan. Like I said, I've always loved Hellraiser. It's been a long time since I've seen the the first Hellraiser. And I think I blocked it out a little bit based on like who Frank is. <laughs> so Yeah. Frank's a piece, man. Yeah. He's a little, so the main characters of the story that are important to note are Rory, Julia, Frank, Kirsty, and the Cenobites. I have to add them in there, obviously, because, yeah. you know, they're a huge part of the story. It's just that they're not, they're not in it much, but they don't have to be. And the parts no. that they are in are pretty dark. <laughs> so actually, I like the way he narrated the voices of the Cenobites. I thought, was, I thought that was really cool. It's exactly how I imagine, like when I, when you think about the movies, they kind of talk in that sing-songy, yeah. kind of weird voice. I don't know. It, it, it just, he did a good job. Was all I can say. So, all the writing was really well done. There's a lot of really crude themes. A lot, yeah. <laughs> and so, this is where I had the most issue, okay? Because coming from my past, I, you know, suffering from sexual abuse is like part of my life, and I've learned to accept that, but. I think Frank bothers me and that's why I didn't like this, the story. It was hard for me to swallow basically. Like I didn't, it was hard for me to like read it and like enjoy it. I read it and it was really well done. Yeah. But coming from trauma, this is a really hard book or novella to read. So I, I, I'm saying all this with caution. So if you are one of those people, I would not necessarily read it unless you were ready to read it is one of those kind of things. Cause the themes mm-hmm. are so, harsh and they're very apparent yes so 
that's just my little disclaimer. But again, I thought it was a really good novella. Like he did a great job. I like that Frank gets punished multiple times. Yes. It, it, that that part did bring me joy. And you know, reading Especially this too, if you think back to our Hellraiser 2 episode, Frank's version of hell, which for him would be horrid, it just makes it seem all that more deserving. Yes. When you get to know, like, because you don't get, you get a little bit in insight into how Frank is in the movie, but not as much as you get into this because you get a lot more yeah. from his first person kind of approach. Yeah. And I like it. I like that a lot. I think it kind yeah. of makes it make sense. And he, what I, what I liked and didn't like, same time, is that you he, he had that inner monologue when he was messing around with Julia, how he was just kind of dis, he was discarding her because yeah. she was kind of used up at that point, and he needed to move on and do and explore other things. And I was like, you are a piece of garbage, <laughs> literal garbage. I'm not even talking about the fact that that's his brother. Like you can I know, right? Home for your brother's wedding, ruined his wife, and then dipped before the wedding even happened. I know. They were both like the worst humans ever. They are. They are. But I think the novella really shows you how dark of people they were. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't remember the movie as well, so I can't compare the two. If I had time, I would have watched it, but I had didn't. Yeah. I didn't, just so that I could make some some comparisons. Well, the movie's the same but different. You know, like um, I know it enough that I can I can. So yeah, a big change is are the ages. So in the book, Rory and Julia are very young; they're mid twenties. Frank is like late twenties, twenty nine ish. Okay. And Kirsty is a coworker of Rory's who's in kind of infatuated with him in the, in the novella. Now in the movie, Rory became, became Larry and Larry is Kirsty's dad. So they're much yeah. older. Julia is her evil stepmom, And then Frank is portrayed as even older, very much the same character though. He's still a horrid piece of crap. He's still, essentially defi- defiles Julia on their wedding day. Like all that stuff is still there. So Frank's character yeah. is almost exactly the same. Like Frank Cotton okay. is just d- deserving of everything terrible. Rory becomes Larry. Larry's the dad. Christy's a daughter. She's younger. She has a boyfriend character gets thrown in. It's either Steve or Sean. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. And the, and the pin and the, the Cenobites are a lot more f- in the front forefront of the film yeah, they like are. how they look and how I they do remember interact. that part i would love to ask him this question or see if it's posted online somewhere but i wonder if they made that switch for kirsty being the daughter to make you feel more sympathy toward her because i did not feel sorry for her in the novella whereas in the movie i felt terrible for her because she was really kind of stalkerish and weird with Rory mm-hmm. in the novella. And it made me not like any of them, including her. Because she was kind of like, like you said, she's like this flirtatious friend of Rory's and he's married. And she's kind of like, she dips in whenever she just wants to. And then he asked her for favors and, and she like 
stalks around outside the house and it's just so weird i'm like i just don't like her character i didn't like any of the characters except no, for the cenobites not, really they're not great <laughs> so, really um no i think in this in the book rory knows that she likes him you know she's like his work wife you know what i mean like that whole like quote-unquote work wife that person That's he can weird. go to and talk to and and, and kind of confide in and she just has that you know she really likes him and then he chose the the pretty girl you know and um yeah so i agree i think it's better i think the movie is better and it's interesting i wonder i would like to ask him as well solely because he's the one that wrote both of them so it's like yeah why did you change your own source material was it to keep them separate uh was it because like you said you made that character more likable for the film and i've i've watched interviews where he has stated that making changes because what you can do in a book and what you can portray on screen are so are so different because you know with print media a lot of that of how you see the characters how you view them are all based on our own experiences and all based on our own imaginations but in the film they're just there you know what i mean so i'm sure that was mm-hmm. probably why he because like you said you don't really like her she gets no. away and probably really shouldn't. She's not really an innocent for real. She's just no, she's not. She's just a, kind of a in, like a dirt to dirt, like a bumbling turd a little bit. Like whatever you see, you know what I mean. Like so, making her the daughter, just trying to find her dad, I think makes it a little bit better. Yeah, you you feel sorry for her. There's empathy and for her. That's like in yeah. the novella. There's not. It's like you're just some stalkerish like coworker friend infringing on someone else's marriage it's weird i know that julia is (laughs) is a terrible person too but that doesn't make her any better no i don't i just didn't like i hated all the characters for and i think that that was well done because i hated them so much i was like kirsty sucks too but rory yeah, and I didn't really feel sorry for Rory either because it seemed like he kind of drank himself into a stupor most nights. So I don't. I'm like, I just don't know, man. I he he did a really good job though because I felt like I was in the house with all the characters the whole time because he the way he explained like the weird room i can't remember what he he kept saying the same line over and over again and i can't think of it what was it was the damp room the damp room i'm almost like yeah. ew that just sounds gross i know right like the air is just <laughs> yeah the damp room i'm like eh. but yeah i was like i can just imagine just that just a dank space like just moldy and and yeah like it smelled like, mildewy yeah, I smelled that way, and then almost mm-hmm. like a little bit of iron in the air because of the blood, and like the it's just, ugh. and every time I thought when he said the damp room, I kept thinking it's just because this guy has juicy body in there. It's so gross because <laughs> <laughs> he's like all bloody and gross. Uh-huh. Like, but I thought I really thought that it put me right there and I just felt gross the whole time I was listening. I was like, this is just, he's just gross. Like, but it's like almost fitting that Frank was kind of stuck in that nasty little room with his nasty little self. He didn't yeah. look attractive anymore. And also like there was no skin. I know. I think my favorite part was when they kind of described how the Cenobites tortured them when they were not torturing them, how they made them look in on, where they um, opened the box 
which I think was pretty okay. interesting. Like that's a, a, an addition that is not in the films. That's, I think it's kind of cool. Like you're forever just looking into this empty room, right? And your brother's there, mm-hmm. never uses it. And it was, I thought it was just kind of a cool take on it. Yeah. And the, and the bills, like I always, cause in the movie or in the movies, I, all I think of is like that high, like, like whistling, like, like, like the air, like, you remember when we talked about that, when we watched yeah. Hellraiser 2, we were talking about like how, like the air, you could just hear the air, like through the space. And then when yeah. the, when the box was finally opened but this one was like a beckoning of bells and i thought that was like i could almost like a creepy music box is yeah. what i was thinking of well it kind of is because like when you talk remember when at the yeah. very beginning when they talk about <laughs> le marchand he was uh he created those little like bird automaton toys that whistled so that's what yeah. he did so the fact that you open it and it has like those little whistles and chimes mm-hmm. like a bird that was a really yeah. cool descriptor because you can almost hear it. And because I know what it looks like, like I'm so familiar with in the films, they call it the lament configuration. But like I've, I used to own one. I want, I need, I want another one, but because I'm so familiar with it, it's like I can see her doing it, right? Like yeah. trying to open it and fumble with it and moving her fingers around the circles and stuff. And that's just really cool. I think the way it was done and um, approached was really good. Like I said, it's a, I think it's a solid novella, especially to have its influence from so few pages. I think it's like nine movies now and like a whole franchise, comic books, you know, toy lines, everything, you know, and it definitely has those similar themes, you know, BDSM and sexual abuse and yeah, just weird love and hate and desire and lust and the differences. And I think he does a good job of, touching on all that and making everyone who even like you mentioned having past trauma you might take that a certain way but people without that will still get something from this you still Mm -hmm. know even without that trauma this is wrong something is off something is bad like frank is terrible frank is like messed up yeah sociopath messed up exactly he's like he's a criminal he's ridiculous um and i really kind of enjoyed that well it kind of has to be because he was seeking a different type of pleasure. It was really cool, though, to be inside his head when he op- finally opens the box and the Cenobites come through and he was thinking it was going to be totally different than what it was. Yeah. And I was like, this is so deserving. Mm-hmm. And then at that, I can't really remember the part with the one Cenobite, like at the very end, it, it doesn't tell you much other than the way that they're sitting. Just like their their legs were spread, almost kind of like beckoning him a little bit. Oh, the one, with the, the female and, one with the tongues on her thighs and stuff. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of like, you kind of knew like, okay, she's about to mess you him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like, it doesn't tell you anything. And I was like, I thought that was a cool way to end that little section because i was like it left me kind of filling in the blanks which i appreciated let's let me fill in the blanks like you you just you completely destroyed him we all know this yeah they tore him apart yes literally but i was like "Eh, just this the visual 
of that Cenobite kind of in the corner doing like just. I was like, Ugh, yeah. it's so gross. On a big pile of heads of severed heads yeah. and stuff. And like tongues all around. I'm like, yeah. but it's almost like it's so deserving. Because it was like, mm-hmm. he's looking at her like, oh, okay. And then, oh, no, <laughs> this is not going to end well for me. I know. Like, this is uh, not what I asked for. It's not what I bargained no, for. No, it's not. Mm-mm. And it kind of got talks. I think he does a good job of pinpointing the hubris of man. Like, you're going to an er- otherworldly creatures, assuming they're going to have the same ideas and approaches and views on things as you do. And then mm-hmm. being upset when it's not what you wanted. You know what I mean? It's like. Right. What did you think was going to happen, fam? Yeah, it was. It was really good. I liked it. I'm a fan. Again, it's one of my favorite horror series. I think Pinhead's one of the greatest characters of all time, just for the makeup alone and the, the dialogue. So I'm about it. Yeah, the dialogue. I mentioned the dialogue in my notes because I thought the the dialogue pushed the the plot so well and the character development and like mm-hmm. just how wretched they all were for different reasons. And like being inside their head a little bit, like explaining like the reason they were doing certain things and like Kirsty's dilemma of like wanting to do what Rory asked her to do, but also, you know, not wanting to tell him because she didn't want to be that person giving him that bad news. And it was like, and then like all the men that Julia was like, you know, bringing home and like, I was like, Oh my gosh. And like her conversations between the, uh, between them both. I was just like, man, he did a really good job with differentiating between each character. Yeah. Like sometimes it's not within that short of period of text. I feel like sometimes it's lost depending on what writer it is. And that's why I think that a lot of times that's why when you read short stories, you have very few sections of dialogue. Whereas he, he wrote a lot of dialogue and it was really successful. Dialogue is really hard to write and to, yes. to write it in a way where, you know, who's speaking is really, you know, he's very successful in that. And that's probably why he's a successful person playwright too because that's all it is for the most part is dialogue and like you know stage directions and stuff but yeah i think that's why it was so easily translated into a film Mm -hmm, because of the dialogue yeah it's mostly what it is you know and there's definitely some key differences like character changes you know of course the cenobites are different they mention a cenobite with pins in its head with the very androgynous cenobite but it's never really mentioned again um, mm-hmm. The main Cenobite in this book is the female Cenobite. The only other one that speaks, really. But, of course, at the time when it came out, it was on the heels of, you know, your Halloweens and your Nightmare on Elm Streets and your Friday 13th. Yeah. And you had that main character, right? That main kind of super paranormal pertinent per preternatural how do you say that preternatural i have no idea <laughs> whatever you had some kind of supernatural element of a character so in, rather than because i know originally julia was supposed to be the main bad guy that comes back and continues the story on and has all this issue but pinhead he was needed and of course he's awesome and uh yeah good stuff i'm a fan you know characters are different some of the but the locations are different it's in america not london their ages are changed 
a character's added, but it's cool that the author did that. And I'm sure there was some reason for that more adapting to an American audience, kind of like how we spoke about with legend. Yeah. How, you know, it's different in different places. So I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I liked, I can't say I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I explained why I didn't. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, discourage people from going to read. I just want to put a disclaimer out that you just need to be careful. If you're have the experiences that I've had, that it's, it's, it's not an easy read, but if you haven't, it's still an uneasiness, but it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're going to be like, Oh God, this is terrible. But I was like, I just, between Frank and Julia and just, and she's a freaking serial killer. Okay. Yeah. Lauren people, Lauren people in for him. Which I thought her death was the best. Yeah, and that doesn't change. So, I mean, obviously it's good. She dies the same way. Except for the only difference is, I don't want to say in the movie, you don't really see the engineer like that. So, like how the end of this one, it was the engineer. Because they even mentioned know, there's five so of cool. you. He's like, the engineer will come if he has to. They don't mention him hardly at all in the movie. And she's like faceless chained to a bed. Like she's also paid the price for what she's done. And uh, Kirstie gets to go away scot-free because she's, you know, just like he says in part two, it wasn't hands that called us here. It was desire. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. She did it by accident. I did like mm-hmm. that part when she's like, it happens more than you would think, but oh, well, <laughs> like, when she, when she's in the hospital and the female sitting there, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you called me by accident. That's rough. <laughs> like yeah that sucks for you but i you have to pay the price yeah. for opening it up you, you still did it though so but yeah so good stuff so it's a solid story like you said if you experience things that can make definitely make you uneasy so for sure forewarning uh, if you've not read it before if you are not or you're able to definitely worth checking out i think it's a strong novella and like it you said is. before, a lot of them don't have heavy dialogue because they're so short and there's always so more story to get to than dialogue. And I think Clive Barker's does a really good job of making dialogue the story. And, and he think, also explains the setting really well in such yeah. a short period of time. Because that I'm telling you, I knew what that house looked like before it was over. Oh, and yeah, like for how sure. it was set up and the landings and the staircase and all that stuff. Like I I could visualize all of it. Yeah, the way he describes like the hallways and the rooms and the different T bins and stuff. Yeah, it was it's, he does a good job. Far better than some mm-hmm. other people that are considered amazing writers. Right. You know. They wrote right like a thousand page books, like, you know. He's he he accomplished all that every year. Yeah. Pages. Yeah. He did in five pages what it might take some other people, 500. And he just need, I think he definitely check out his other things. Like say, if you can't do a lot of it is in this vein, but he has like, like cabal, which is what Nightbreed's based on. Also a great story. There's some really good comics based around these characters that kind of are a continuation of the book more so than the movies. They have more movie characters in them. Like pinhead is in the forefront, but they're more written written like the book is so definitely check those out guys and yeah you want to add anything else before we get into your grade miss hill yeah which one more thing like when i was looking at his website it like warned of the stuff that was on it but it has a children's section and they said if you you know if you're you know have younger kids and you want to like explore my stuff there is a section specifically for kids 
which I thought was really cool. Like he puts that warning label on his stuff, which I appreciate because not everybody is that thoughtful when they put a website together. So like he's got a section specifically dedicated to kids because he has written children's books. That's cool. I don't know if they're necessarily like little kid books, but they're like books that are specifically written for younger, for younger readers. Yeah. I just don't know how young it goes. So anyway, I, I'm going to get to the rubric, but I already know what it's going to score because I've already, already scored it by myself because <laughs> it's in my notes. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I know. But I'll let like, you have some input too, obviously. But I was like, this is this is what it is. So anyways, so character development. Yeah, obviously. I think we've already kind of hit it on there. Yeah. All of them um, are described. Even, mm-hmm. even the ones you don't get a lot of detail on you still know what they look like. And I'm not entirely sure if it's because I've seen the movie, you know? Uh, but I do think like we talk about the Cenobites the first time we meet them and his description of them with like the flayed flesh and the hooks. And you, you, you get a really good visual of that. And just Frank being like a greasy oiled up kind of, yeah, gross, you know, and like bandaged it's there. So, and yeah. just that. Yeah. I mean, character development is great. For sure. 25. Yeah. And I was, because in the note or in my rubric, I have characters are well balanced and show growth or lack thereof. And I feel like that is what they all had a downfall. Yeah. In this novella. So to me, that's character development because it shows them at the height and then it shows them declining the whole time. And they're like, dang, this is rough. (laughs) So yeah, it's a 25 for me too. Okay. Plot development. I thought he did a super good job with the plot development. He did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know the themes from the start. They're running mm-hmm. throughout. You see a lot of, like you said, some ups and downs. You see downfalls of characters. You see characters kind of rise up and then only to fall back down. And it was be- timed well. Like yeah. he he paced this book or the no. I keep saying book, but this novella so well. Yeah. I didn't feel like it, it was slow in any section or f- too fast. It was like, even the Cenobite section was like, it was timed just right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those so, things where I was engrossed with it and I was done before I realized it was over. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. That's it. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> you know, because I, I was like, oh, what happens next? Man, I got to watch Hellraiser 2 for that. But uh, yeah, no, 100%. I agree. 25 for sure. It's uh, the, the themes are solid. They're always there. The pacing does not. I don't think it slows down ever. Even mm-hmm. when he's purposely just, being slow, going. there's like that suspense there. Like, oh, how, what's going to happen? Like, is, is Kirsty going to find out? Oh my gosh, she's going to get killed? Why is Frank staring at her from a window? And you're just like, oh man, what's happening? What's happening? And then, you know, the end build on it. We are like, oh my God, just kill Frank. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm Frank. <laughs> Dunzos. Like, you knew it. <laughs> like <laughs> she's like please just say it's you oh my gosh i'm trying yeah. not to get killed here <laughs> you're gonna murder me just say your name but yeah all right it's really good Shut up and I, say your name. I did like the engineer part at the end where he like bumps into her and like leaves oh my the gosh, box yes. on her i like how he says it too he's like i am the engineer like he's yeah. like because it's like sing-songy you know yeah. it's like and it's very like ominous i'm like man it's so good uh and i was like ooh, i hate when he says engineer because i'm like i could all i can think of is you disassembling someone and putting mm-hmm. them back together how you want to that's their job <laughs> yeah i know i think so in the, the 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 further lore 
the engineer is who makes all the all the Cenobites. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got that with the in Hellraiser too. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he goes weird. into that, like, like in the, almost to like that, co- it was like a coffin almost, or like an yeah. elevator, or however you want to view it. I, to me, it looks like like just a body Big box. box you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then all the things that's going on inside. I feel like isn't that what the engineer does? Yeah, he's who makes the Cenobites. Yeah, it was pretty cool. cool. He's like one of the in the book. He's more of like the one who's like in charge almost. Whereas in the movies, it's always Pinhead. He's he's the priest mm-hmm. of hell. All right, we'll move on to the next one. It's two twenty fives. Yeah, imagery. So <laughs> we already talked about this that. one. Scores a twenty five too, and because I, I said I like, I can visualize the house. I know what the characters look like. Even the bushes um, outside when she talks about setting them, like right? you kind of got an idea what they look like. And talking about how cold she is and how she can't feel her feet because she's been outside so long. I'm like, Kirsty, you were a stalker. Yeah. And like in the damp room when like Julia's got all those men in there and like, like the way, like the first guy she was talking about, like how when she brought him in and how he was like getting nervous and he was real sweaty. And all I could think of was like this really awkward man that was real sweaty, getting ready to have sex with this lady. And I'm like, it's just like, gross me out. I'm like, he's so nasty. I can't. So like the imagery was really good. Cause I, and then like with the, the chains getting hooked into the skin, like even after you don't have skin anymore, it's like All just right. in your, in, in your, your tendons muscles. and muscles and stuff. It's so gross. So yeah, <laughs> he did a good job. He did. Five. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all this is going to be about going. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> style and conventions, obviously he, he knows how to write. Yeah. Like, uh, it's that dialogue is very impressive to me being so short of a text. So it, very smooth and skillful and coherent. It's all in there. Yeah. This one was first books too. I think his, his first book was the damnation game and Hellbound heart was his second thing he had written. So, I mean, it's pretty early yeah. on in his career. Well, he, he was like, he's, he does a really good job. I, I can't deny that. I just can't say that I could sit through it again. But it was really good. So obviously, because I gave it 100. And that, that was in my notes. I was like, unfortunately, I have to give this 100. Because it fits everything in my rubric the way, you know, it's what I expect when I read anything. Is like to have any of these things done well, you know, and he did all of them well, so. Good no, job, I want to re- read the follow-up book now. I've never read the Scarlet Gospels. I should. Yeah. Is it? I, I looked at, when you look up his website, it's got literally everything listed. Yeah, I'm on his Wikipedia. It's just an order. But it came out in 2015. And it's more about Pinhead and like just the pre- Hell Priest and stuff. And another character of his that he has in some of his stories. He's got some cool stuff, like some cool worlds that he's made. You know, I wish they were all like interweaved. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's pretty mm-hmm. neat. There's a third one, but he didn't write that one. This is a story credits to him. It's called Hellraiser the Toll. But it is a really cool depiction of what a hell would look like, or or how it would be to to die and go somewhere terrible. Yeah, 
And yeah. it's like, it's totally different than what you usually view. Like we talked about in the last episode, you know, or that last Hellraiser episode. I just, to me, that is, that is what hell would be like, just whatever it is, is your folly <laughs> or, or something that truly bothers you the most is what you're going to be tortured with forever. That's yeah. that would, that is a hell for sure. And boy, did Frank deserve. <laughs> yes, he did. And so does Julia. So, hundred percent. Yeah, she sucks. Bitch. <laughs> Can't stand her. <laughs> and Kirsty should have been. And she's also kind of punished at the end, though, because she's burdened with that damn box at the end and all the stuff that happened that transpired. So she's kind of stuck. Yeah. And if that shit gets opened again. You come, know, they're coming for say, you. Well, they're not. They're not going to come for you because they know your name now. Little little bell toll. That's it. Yeah, ugh, guys. Anyways, but yes, hundred percent. Yep, one hundred. A whole I agree. A. It's really good. Sweet. So. Very good stuff. It's a good short story, easy read. Definitely check it out. If you listen to it, if you can. Yeah, if you if you like audiobooks, it was really cool. I will listen to almost any audiobook narrated by the author. I think that's really cool. I always, mm-hmm. always have, always will probably. So definitely check that out if you have the chance. And yeah, guys, that's it for us this week, I think. I guess it you is. want to add about the Hellbound Hawk. I don't, but I can tell everyone where to find us. Let them know. All right. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horror in the Halls. You can also follow Jenny underscore Dreffles on Instagram. You can email us at horrorinthehalls at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. For sure, guys. We also have a TikTok. That I sometimes the TikToks? Post. We, we have a we have a tick of talks, yeah. Because you know, I get bored and do all the social media, so it's there too. Because I'm, I don't think it's fun <laughs> to watch videos, but yeah, check that out, guys. And we have Patreon, so if you want to you want to support us on Patreon, we would greatly appreciate that, especially with the summer mm-hmm. months coming on, and we'll put a lot more effort into what we're doing and figure out what's yes. coming up next. I'm kind of excited about our next. Um, Month. Oh man, I am too. Can't I'm wait so to excited. announce that to everybody. I know we do. This is all for Jenny, but we'll, I'm also excited. So it'll be fun. <laughs> and yeah, guys, so that'll be the bell. I guess we're going to get out of here. We'll see you next time. Bye.